You'll face it. Without heritage tourism, there's a lot of places and a lot of cultures on the face of this earth that would just die away. You know, the people would not be able to have work in their um, own hometown or the farmers won't be able to survive. But because of the tourism, they're able to survive and they're able to stay in their own culture longer because of the tourism. Hi, this is Anita from the Dusty Roads podcast. You know, at the Dusty Roads in our blog, A Bus on a Dusty Road, we're all about living our life as a global citizen. And so today I want to talk a little bit about what I see as the benefits and some of the disadvantages of what is known as heritage tourism. And I realize that, you know, heritage tourism can be quite a broad term. You know, it can mean actually going to visit another culture or it can actually mean going to visit a historical site. So I want to talk about, you know, heritage tourism overall and what I see as some of the benefits and some of the disadvantages. Heritage tourism is part of this whole, um, I guess, new way to travel where you sort of travel with a bit of a purpose. You travel to be able to learn something new. And this was never really new for me because I had a father who always believed that when we were young and we we'd travel, like we didn't just go on holiday to go on holiday. We went on, you know, we would go to visit somebody or we go to do something. There was some kind of purpose or reason for our travel. It wasn't just like, okay, we're going to load everybody in the car and let's go, let's go lie on the beach for a week. That never happened in my family, at least. And there's a lot of people who travel like that. And I think it's great. And I've done that myself too. But, you know, heritage tourism is really not that kind of tourism so much as you're going to experience something, you're going to learn something, you're going to do something. So as I see, there's many benefits and there's also disadvantages of it. You know, if done correctly, heritage tourism can be a fantastic way to be able to discover and to be able to learn about another culture, another place, to be able to discover history. It's a great way when you have children to be able to teach your children you know, especially about history or another culture, another way of life. When I was young, one of the places we went to frequently was Washington, D.C. We went there because my, my father grew up in Washington, D.C., and my grandfather at the time was, um, before he passed away, was living there. So a couple times a year, we would all load in the car and we'd drive from Wisconsin in our old station wagon to go to Washington, D.C. to see my grandfather and my uncle and aunt who were living there um, also at the time. And I, I remember, you know, cherishing that time. I mean, I spent a lot of time you know, going up and down the Washington Monument, going to Smithsonian Museums, going to see the Lincoln Memorial, the, you know, all the different memorials, going to Mount Vernon. We spent a lot of time um, going to all those places. And we didn't just go once, we went there several times. And so, you know, as a child, it kind of gave me a feel for some of the history of the United States, gave me a feel for, you know, some of the revolutionary history, gave me a feel for the Smithsonian to be able to walk through it and see all the great exhibitions. So I really can see where heritage tourism, especially for children, can really be a great way for tourism and for children to be able to put into place and to understand what they're learning in school and other places and be able to see it firsthand. So one of my first points about the benefits of heritage tourism is it can help others discover a culture. One of my favorite places in Hawaii is the Polynesian Cultural Center, which is in Laie, Hawaii. 
And the Polynesian Cultural Center is part of the Brigham Young University Hawaii campus. And part of the cultural center there is about bringing the cultures of Polynesia all together in this one place. You know, at the Polynesian Cultural Center, you can discover the food, the dance, the culture, and the ways of the people who lived in Polynesia. And one of the great things about the Polynesian Cultural Center is most of the dancers and other people are actual students who are attending school at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. And they will come there for, you know, three, four years or whatever, and they will, you know, they will, they will dance, they will perform, and they will go to school and get an education. But more than that, you know, I love to be able to go into like the Samoan village, the Tahitian village, the, you know, the Fijian village. You go into all these little different villages and, and through these different villages, you can discover all the different ways of life, what life would be like in the island there. I personally myself have not been to Fiji, Samoa, or Tonga. But I feel an affinity for these places because I have been to the Polynesian Cultural Center and I've learned about these cultures and I've learned about these groups of islands and these um, different people in Polynesia. If you get a chance to go to the Polynesian Cultural Center, I highly recommend it. And make sure you go see the night show. You'll see some fabulous fire dances and other things like that, which are always extremely popular and are quite amazing to see. But the Polynesian Cultural Center is an example of a place that I believe shows the benefit of cultural tourism because they bring together the best of these cultures and you're able to experience these cultures without going there. You know, um, heritage tourism can also have a huge economic boost to an area. You know, face it, without heritage tourism, there's a lot of places and a lot of cultures on the face of this earth that would just die away. You know, the people would not be able to have work in their own um, own hometown or the farmers won't be able to survive. But because of the tourism, they're able to survive and they're able to stay in their own culture longer because of the tourism. You know, one of the examples I see of this um, and where this is a positive thing, in, and also there's some negatives to it too, but I, I won't talk about the negatives about it so much. Um, as I will about the positives, would be in Sapa. You know, Sapa, Vietnam, is where many people go to be able to see the Hmong and others. But one of the negatives about it, which I will point out, is, you know, Sapa you know, has now like a lot of overdevelopment going on where these cultures start becoming destroyed because people are building high-rise buildings. It's losing its kind of bit of its quaintness for some of the some of the cultures. But what Sapa does do is a lot of these Hmong guides are able to go into their, you know, their home villages and, and, you know, people maybe might stay in a Hmong house. And it really helps the farmers to be able to supplement uh, their income and to be able to supplement their way of life. It also helps to ensure that many of the children are able to stay in school and to have choices that their parents did not have because they have that extra income there. When the COVID um, pandemic hit, and Vietnam closed its doors to tourism. Sapa, of course, was one of the areas that was very hard hit. I have a friend there that runs a, a, a tour company there. And if you're ever going to Sapa, I highly recommend to do Ethos tours. 
because this really is a great country that is socially minded and they really, really make sure you have the best experience you have and can see really what it's like in Sapa and other places. Um, it's run by two friends of mine, Hua and Phil, and they both have wonderful guides. So if you want to know more about it, I have a link to them on my blog, abusonadustyroad.com. And it, um, you will be able to find out some information and be able to contact them directly and just let them know that Anita sent you. But I was talking to Hua one day and I said, well, you know, how are you guys doing? I know you don't have many tours and how are the guides doing? She said, you know, the guides have all had to go home. They're able to eat. They're able to survive because they still have their farms, but they're not able to eat meat like they used to eat meat. And, you know, this for me was kind of like shows a bit of the economic benefits of something like, you know, the the tourism that, you know, areas become better economically off because of the fact that these, we you know, a lot of these are women have this, you know, extra job or sort of like this side gig, you might call it, where they're able to take tourists around. Their family is able to eat better. They're able to have meat on their table. The kids are able to go to school. And yes, without it, they can still survive. But with it, they're able to have a better life. So I think that, you know, this shows that the that the tourism industry, again, when done right and not done wrong, can be able to help to give those people that are in the culture to have a better life. Another thing that it does is it helps preserve the cultures and history. And, you know, two places that I think about it where it does it really well is one is the Angkor Wat in Cambodia, which is in Siem Reap. And I have been there many times. And, you know, you need to pay to get into the Angkor Wat. And because of that, you know, the area is kept clean. It's they're able to, you know, restore some of the buildings and you have these wonderful structures of these, you know, old, old, you know, temples from the Khmer period you know, of Cambodia, and we're able to have it, and we're able to know and understand this culture that once lived in this part of the world. Without the tourism there, it economically just would not be possible. But because of the tourism, the tourism has helped to to preserve a part of the Cambodian history because of the fact that the tourist dollars are coming in and allows this foundation to be able to do it. Another great example of that, too, is Colonial Williamsburg. You know, I've been to Colonial Williamsburg, fascinating place to go. Again, it's a great way to be able to understand a lot about the American history. And because of that, because of Colonial Williamsburg, you know, it's able to show us what life was like during this period of time when Colonial Williamsburg was a very thriving community. I have a friend of mine whose husband, you know, used to be one of the the gun makers there. And, you know, that was his career. He, you know, basically every day was working with the tourists and he he made a lot of the, he was like one of the gunsmiths. So, you know, there's people there that have made their whole careers on this and they're experts in it and they understand this way of life and they're, you know, kind of in a way living this way of life. And they're, you know, because of it, because they're right there in Colonial Williamsburg. You know, so... Colonial Williamsburg, and because of the fact that you, you know, you pay to go there, you pay to go into the buildings, you know, and all of that actually helps to preserve this part of the United States history. So again, this shows, like Angkor Wat in Cambodia, the advantages that heritage tourism can have and how it can help to protect our cultures 
and our history because we have this type of tourism. But some of the disadvantages, where there's advantages, there's also disadvantages. You know, like if it is not done correctly, cultural um, heritage tourism can actually turn into a kind of a circus act. In other words, you know, it may cheapen the culture. You know, the people may, may, they may feel cheap. It may not feel real. It may feel like, you know, this is just all about money. You know, face it, in today's world, there are very few places that are considered to be off the beaten track. You know, today with an airplane, you can almost get to every part of the world, whether it's an Eskimo village or an Amazon tribe. You know, to really get off the beaten track and to really go to places where people don't go, you really need to make an effort. You know, many years ago, we went to some parts of Tibet where very few tourists ever go. Why? Because it was 18 hours inland by road. But, you know, since this time, as they, you know, build trains, as they build planes and other things, you know, these areas will begin to develop more and it will no longer become off the beaten track. You know, so so really... These places, you know, people may begin to treat it more as a circus act. And this becomes the danger of, 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 you know, heritage tourism is that the places that they begin to lure in the tourist dollars is that, um, you know, to lure in the tourist dollars, it becomes like the, the culture becomes cheaper or it doesn't become real anymore. And it starts becoming more like an act instead of actually what the culture is, you know, it can also destroy the culture or the location. And, you know, that's sort of my next point. You know, when many of the early explorers traveled around the world, you know, they traveled with them and they brought, you know, different types of food, to, especially to Asia. Like many may not realize that the hot chili pepper that ties you so much was actually an import, as was the peanuts, as were cashews. And it's because of the fact that these explorers traveled the world and brought this with them, that these exchanges were able to take place and people were able to adopt them as their own. But, you know, Today, with the global pandemic, there's been other, you know, aspects of, you know, um, you know, the heritage tourism we've seen, like how fast a disease can travel from one location to the next, you know, how quickly this can happen. And so, so also, you know, can destroy a culture or destroy a location at the same time. You know, I've seen areas of the world, particularly in some parts of Thailand, where certain types of foreigners or foreign influences would go to an area and suddenly now brothels, prostitution, and other things like that would rise up. And this, of course, has become one of the issues, too, in a country like Cambodia, where, you know, for a long time, there there were not these type of factors or elements there. But now, you know, today, um, it can be quite common of having these type of establishments. Many of the locals begin to see that, you know, if I get involved in the sex trade, if I get involved in the brothels, I can start to earn a good income and start earning some good foreign dollars. So, you know, but also at the same time, it can increase a lot of diseases, um, unwed mothers, and, you know, and a lot of social and other problems that the society has never had before. And this can cause some of the cultures and the societies to begin to disintegrate. You know, I have seen this happen in many parts of Asia. You know, that even under the disguise of so-called, you know, heritage tourism, it can bring some social and other problems if it is not handled correctly. 
So this becomes, again, one of the dangers. And of course, another danger is that heritage tourism can hurt the environment. Pollution is a huge issue. The use of plastics is a huge issue. And, you know, in some of these parts of the world, you know, there may be, you know, uh, tourists coming and they just throw things down on the ground and suddenly they've got a pollution problem like they've never had before. In other parts, you know, the world, maybe the, the development that's going on may cause the huge amounts of pollution. And a lot of times these type of environmental issues and environmental problems are irreversible. And there's another factor that can happen with them is because suddenly now this environment becomes polluted and maybe, you know, there's garbage thrown in the fields of the farmers. The land is not as good as it once was and the farmers may not be able to earn the income that they could once earn off of the land. So this really becomes one of the biggest drawbacks that I see of of heritage tourism is the, the eco or the environmental issues that can happen that in many cases become irreversible and because the pollution gets so far out of hand that there's really no way to be able to reverse it. You know, the rivers, the streams, the other things become polluted. And then this begins to trickle down to other areas. And it also can, instead of helping the economics of an area, it instead can lead to poverty. And that becomes, you know, the problem with this, that instead of the people becoming, you know, economic prosperous because of the tourism, instead it's leading to them to go into poverty or to have these social problems and these social issues, which are almost completely irreversible. You know, I am really all for heritage tourism and that I believe, you know, going to see and understand another part or of a culture or world is really a great way to be able to experience and to see the world. And I hope that everyone, when they travel the world, may have this hunger and have this thirst or want to be able to learn about the world. You know, this is kind of what our blog, A Bus on a Dusty Road, is all about. It's about living life as a global citizen. And part of living life as a global citizen is wanting to know about the world, wanting to understand the world, and trying to be a bridge you know, between you and the world and trying to understand another part of the world. But at the same time, if you are going to live your life as a global citizen, it's also about understanding when your tourism is starting to hurt a culture, when it's starting to hurt a place, when it no longer becomes as beneficial as it once was. Then that is not about living your life as a global citizen. That is about exploitation. And that is very different than trying to help another country or help another part of the world. We hope you have enjoyed our Dusty Roads podcast. And we hope that you will check out our blog, A Bus on a Dusty Road. We'd love to have you be part of our community, part of our movement of living our lives as a global citizen. If you've enjoyed this, please subscribe. And thank you so much for listening. We truly do appreciate your support.